AJ and I, we talked about this with a guest a long time ago. And we was telling guests, listen, high school players don't understand. Like, I remember we would go to college and we would come back home. They don't understand that level. It's a different level. It's different strength. It's different yep. uh, mentality. They don't understand. And it. it's just like cats that make it to the league and they come back and they playing against college guys. The college guys don't understand that next, because if you ain't been there, there's no way you can get that kind of understanding, man. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. We want to jump into your NBA career, man. You, you went undrafted in 93. Uh, you was in a I mean, the class you came out with was, I mean, you had Weber, Mashburn, Dan Baker, Rodney Rogers. Hardaway. Yeah, Hardaway. You know, Calvert Chaney, which a lot of people forget about Calvert Chaney, but he was a beast. Yep. I mean, how did that process work? Did you work out for teams? and, And what was you hearing about? I think I worked out for one team, the Milwaukee Bucks. And that really? was because my agent was good friends with Mike Dunleavy. Gotcha. So he he managed to get me a workout with the Bucks. Um, uh, my, yeah, I was blessed. I had a good agent. My agent, well, Warren Legarian is his name. Warren told me early on that I wasn't getting drafted, right? Like, we're not even going to think about that. Like, that's not a thing. Um, so let's prepare to make a team. Um, so didn't get drafted the day after the draft, just like today, the day after the draft, Warren calls me and says, Hey, we have these four options. Here's why I think we should go here. It was the Lakers. The reason was because he knew that AC green was leaving to go to Phoenix. Mm. So there will be a roster spot at the power forward position with the Lakers. So the Lakers drafted George Lynch, who I'm still super tight with to this day. George and I talk at least twice a week. Um, we had him on the show. Yeah, so you know, so then, uh, so I got George. George is actually one of the co-founders of my cannabis businesses. So Joby, George, and I are together, together connected. Um, then Nick Van Exel was the other rookie, and Nick was a second-round draft pick, but he was a second-round draft pick by choice. You know, there's a whole bunch of stories behind that. So, long story short, though, Nick, um, we get to training camp, and I, I was well prepared. I was in great shape. Start training camp, and I, I told you guys I'm an Uber athlete, and I was willing to go low. So when we get to LA, other guys are going here and going there and going to the beach and doing this and doing that. I'm in my room studying the playbook. Mm-hmm. So I make it because I knew the plays. <clears throat> so we start the summer league. First three games of summer league, you know, Nick is loving the athleticism. So he's throwing lobs to places that nobody should be able to go get lobs, but I'm going to get them. And so I'm the ooh and I guy in the Lakers Lakers Summer League team. Um, From there, I get invited to training camp. Another one of them sides of basketball that nobody tells you about. When the Lakers signed me, they gave me a $50,000 upfront cash deal, right? So my contract was for $150,000. They gave me $50,000 upfront. I'm a small, I am a young black dude from Mississippi. Right, 50 grand. I signed in, in early July. My check comes late July. $23,000. They done took out FICA. And, <laughs> 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 Ain't nobody tell me about no 
so I, I I get my check. I go straight to my mom. I said, they done robbing me. They done robbing me. I don't know what happened. They got me for my money. <laughs> oh. oh, man. So now also keep in mind, now I only got $100,000 left on my contract, and they're going to take half. So now I got $50,000 left on my contract. But I'm living in L.A. Oh, that right. Oh, man, I was so broke after my rookie year. It was ridiculous. I think I owe money. I might have been the only player in the league. <laughs> that old money. <laughs> hey, Harl, oh, let, me, Harl, let me ask you this about uh, – <laughs> Now was that was there a rookie camp and then vet camp? Yes. So there was there was a summer league, and they invited me from summer league. Um, they signed me, and then they invited me back to vet camp. So I was there in September. So we were there all of September. Training camp didn't start till October. So it was me, Nick Van Exel, George Lynch, Poncho Hodges, who played at Wyoming. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was a, a cat, Dexter Boney from UNLV. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Ike Williams, I think, from New Mexico, uh, either New Mexico State or New Mexico. But we were all there working out all summer. And we were the the six rookie training camp invitees mm. trying to make, you know, trying to make the final, final roster. And I can I can tell you the play that they guaranteed my contract. Uh, James Edwards was, I was guarding him in the post. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys remember Buddha, but Buddha had a real fadeaway. Like he would yep. lean back. Yeah. It fades way back, and I went up and got it. Mm. And Jerry West, like you could, because we were in training camp in Hawaii, you could hear him audibly, "Ooh!" And then he walked away. And the next day, they guaranteed my contract. Like, okay, you, went, you didn't, you didn't go forward. You just went straight up. You just stayed straight up. When I tell you guys, and I tell my my, my kids this because they've never seen me play, I was. I was a different level of athlete. Like, and I don't say that to, to brag. I say it because it was the truth. Like, 6'10", 38-inch vertical, and agile. At one point, I was guarding anywhere from the point to the five. And I could do it, like, consistently guard anybody between them five positions because I was agile on my feet. I was athletic. I could jump. Now, offensively, I was limited. But on defense, man, there was nothing, there was nothing I could do couldn't do on defense so yeah um so did was you good at was you was you able to palm the ball did you do a lot of stuff with palming the ball dunking i wasn't i didn't have strong hands right okay. uh, so no i wasn't good at palming the ball um as is evidenced in my 1995 dunk contest uh yeah debacle. i'm glad you brought that up because i didn't know if you wanted to talk about that <laughs> Oh man, listen. Um, hey, but hey, hey, but that I, 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 I'm, a, hey, I'm gonna take up for you know. That's when they changed the format of it. Remember where you, where you, where you had to just keep dunking, and and they gave you a time limit. Yeah, that was when they changed the format, and I ain't like that format. So, I'm yeah, I'm going to keep it 100, dog. I, I messed that up, man. I can't blame the format. That was all me. <laughs> I can't blame was, the format. I mean, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can make some excuses. Nah, man, I just flow. I, I didn't I didn't step up to the pressure. Right? His that's, was crazy, that's literally though. what happened. His was crazy, though. <clears throat> you, was, you literally could have won it, though. I mean, legitimately. Your oh. first dunk. 
your first like two, three dunks. I mean, well, your first two dunks. So, so you're right. My first two. My first two. Your first two. But so so let me tell you how. So again, I got a I got a million stories. I hope you guys don't mind. <laughs> no, but, come on, yo, man. That's all bring them, bring them, baby. So the way I made it to the dunk contest to begin with was we were in Houston and I was coming off of an injury and I just gotten really, really healthy, gotten back to being full health. And we were in Houston and I made a bet with me. So George and Nick knew who I was and what I was capable of. So we bet some of the veteran players. It was uh, Eldon Campbell, Vlade Divac, and a couple of the older guys. We bet them here. I'll tell you what the bet was. They could put any coin on the flat back of the of the uh, rim, uh-huh. and I had to go tell them what the coin was. Oh wow! So West just so happened to be again Jerry West just so happened to be at practice that day, and we were messing around with some dunks, and then I did that, and he said, "All right, I'm gonna get you in the dunk contest." I said, "All right, cool." So we so they announced it. I worked on five dunks. Like, that's all I had. I didn't work on six or nine or 12. I knew that if I executed my five dunks, it was a wrap. Mm. So my first dunk was the, I think it was uh, the 360 windmill. That was, I call that the Kenny, the Skywalker, right? The cuff dunk, Mm -hmm. right? The second one was the rock, rock the cradle, MJ. Yeah. Third one was Terrence Stansberry running 360. That's Ooh, the one I missed. Off the one yeah. leg. You know what's crazy? I never missed that dunk in practice. Are never. Really? It was the one I was like, I ain't got to stress on that one. And I think that's what got me was I didn't stress about it. Mm. I kind of laid off of that one and got my time and all. At any rate, then my fourth dunk was going to be, let me see. Was that, that, that. The fifth one was from the free throw line. And then number four. Golly, I can't. I got to think about it. All, but let me put it this way. If I had executed all five dunks, yes, I would have won the dunk contest. And here's how I know. I never lost a dunk contest ever in my life except for that one. I won it in Europe three times. I won the NABC All-Star Game dunk contest in, high, in college. I won the like, only one I ever lost was obviously the biggest one. And that's why I say I, I didn't step up to the pressure. Damn. Man, imagine. And I know you had to be kicking yourself because the the rounds after that, the dunks weren't really all like that. Right. Impressive. Yeah. You know, they were, I mean, they were what they were, but, you know. I can tell you what the fourth one was. I know what the fourth one was now. I did it in summer league the summer before. Between the legs, two hands backwards. Mm. This is, I mean, JR had the, the Oakland Funk thing, but that was a one leg squeeze it underneath no this was go up boom boom and i had done it like it was easy and then i never got a chance to show it hey look let me ask you this playing with the lakers and i mean you're you're a kid from mississippi was you just in awe when you got out there was the was that aura of showtime still in the arena with the stars coming there and all that and you know, how did you, how, how was you taking that in? Like, like a kid from Mississippi. <laughs> Everything you expect a kid from Mississippi to do, that's what I did. Um, it, it, it took me a, a solid six months to adjust that that's just normal life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, LA is go out from Sunday to Thursday, 
rest Friday to Sunday. <laughs> Whereas most places you go out on Friday night, Saturday night, it's then you right. go to work. Nope. Because it's all Hollywood and athletes. We don't go to the club till Monday night. So Monday through Thursday, you kicked it and you met the, you know, you, you, you know, you met all the people. What I do know, and I can tell you this from, from seeing it at that time, the actresses and actresses, the actresses were not off limits at all. Like I was shocked to see some of the names of some of the girls that were in hotel rooms on the road, like stars of the time were essentially just, they were just, you know, get, just getting their feet. Right. Yeah. They was, they was getting it in like we was getting it in because you got to remember, man, at the time, if you, if white stars were making a million dollars a movie, man, their black part counterparts were making 60 grand a movie. You might do four movies a year. That's only a quarter million dollars a year. These girls wasn't paid. These dudes wasn't paid. They was just normal people. Just like, just like everybody else, wow. you know? And so they was getting it in like we was getting it in. Um, and then after about six months, I kind of settled into the routine mm-hmm. and, you know, and I had my crew, it was me and my roommate, George and his roommate. And we were like every day. And so we, we went out together and then we would hang out together. And then eventually we just stopped hanging out. Hey, I could, hey, I could, hey, I could, I could pitch, I could pitch a hob on, on, uh, on Venice beach. Like, Mississippi ain't got nothing like this down here. <laughs> no, no, sir. I'm gonna tell you what Mississippi ain't had nothing like. Damn, Venice Beach. My rookie year, <laughs> I went looking for an apartment. Right, went and found an apartment. I'm from Mississippi. Four hundred dollars a month, two bedroom apartment. I'm good. Man, I, the lady took me on the tour, showed me the apartment. Said, "Yeah, I'm gonna get the two bedroom joint." We go back downstairs. She writes up the paperwork, passes me the lease. $2,700 a month. I said, oh, hell no. Oh, no. Y'all tripping. <laughs> Just give me the studio. I'll take the studio. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> He's sick. Oh. Hobbs. <laughs> hey man. <laughs> I look I look back, it was a different time. I'm, I'm, okay. I don't mind talking about this stuff now because it's just comedy. But you know, like I said, they gave me a hundred. They gave me fifty out of my one fifty up front. So I only had a hundred. Half of that's going to taxes. I'm making, right. you know, six grand a month. They want fifteen hundred of that. In rent, I got a thousand dollars for my car. Wow. Man, I can remember coming home from practice, and uh, Gatorade made this drink called a Gator Load. Gator Load was a thousand or some odd calories in a little can, mm-hmm. right? It was like a protein shake. Man, I remember taking cases of them protein shakes home, so I ain't had to buy lunch. Like it was bad, dog. It was bad. It was terrible. But people don't talk about that side of it, they, especially they, they back really then. Don't. They really don't. They, I mean, even yeah, even now, you don't you don't hear a lot about it. And I'm glad you brought that up too, man. But I, I want to ask you this first. I want to ask you, man, what was it like when you walked in that locker room and you saw your name on that Laker jersey, man? Ooh, I I, I think 
I want to say, I think I'm almost certain it was the, the day after they guaranteed my contract. It was in the preseason. They guaranteed my contract. I, um, I got to the arena. Now my jersey's hitting different because it's mine now, right? They can't take this away from me. I'm going to be here wearing this jersey. I think I went in the, uh, in the weight room and, like, cried for a minute. Like, mm. wow. You made it. You did yeah. it. You're here. Yeah. Should I still get emotional? That's yeah. real there. That's real there. Yeah. Like, uh, man, uh, we always ask that question, man. Because that's a that's a that's that's what Hoop Dreams is about, man, for us, man, making it to that NBA. And somebody always telling you coming up through that, nah, you ain't gonna, you know, you got other people saying, Oh, coaches and this and that, and you fight through, yeah. man. <clears throat> and what and what you know what's crazy, what people always say is and think about it. You had two other people in your family to play in the pros to make it. So yeah. there have always been role models for us. It's up to us to see those, yes. to to know those role <laughs> models that it, whatever dream I got, I can make it happen because I've seen this guy do it. So it's 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 a fight I'm having right now. It's a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other fight I'm having. I'm the only guy I know that doesn't have his high school jersey retired. The only NBA guy I know that doesn't have his high school jersey retired. Really? Yeah. And I, I think it has to do with um, the the place I grew up, an all-white town in Mississippi, right? You would think that they would want to give those young Black men every opportunity to see someone who made it from their neighborhood. But they have had, they have had five opportunities to put me in the Hall of Fame, not in the high school Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. You're not even in the high school Hall of Fame. I'm in my college Hall of Fame, but not my high school Hall of Fame. Um, what about the state? Uh, not in the state. I don't mind the state because I, there's too many great basketball players that come from the state of Mississippi. I don't think I deserve that. Right? Really? I, I, yeah, no, but man. You was, I'm, I'm, you was, I'm, but you was third team All-American. Yeah, but I, you know what? I'm also realistic about who I am, right? Mm. Like, I, I, you know, I, I'm realistic. And, and I know in the state of Mississippi, I'm not an all-time great. I ain't even close. You know, you got to think about Antonio McDice, um, Lindsey Hunter, James Robinson, Mahmoud, Latero. Like, I can run them down. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys. So that doesn't bother me. It's, it's really just my high school. And that doesn't, and it doesn't bother me to the point of, like, what the hell? It bothers me to the point of, why not? Right, 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 and yep. I, they what that they point to is, is that I was a militant kid, and I was, oh, I was, I was, I, uh, I, I overheard my coach call one of my teammates a nigger mm. in practice one day and snapped off my senior year. I missed about twelve games in the middle of my senior year. I had already signed my college scholarship, so I wasn't worried about that. I heard the coach say something he wasn't supposed to say. I snapped off on him. He kicked me out of, off the team. Um, they went, I think we went five and five and seven over that span. So they invited me back after that span, but I'll never forget the athletic director calling me into his office and saying that I'll never make it anywhere with that attitude. Wow. He said that. So you won't make it anywhere because you was called the end. You was defending your teammate. Yep. So the morals, the value, you, you, you know, keeping that kid's character upright. You ain't going to make it nowhere. 
Exactly. Because you think well, you know what way. it did though. Wow. All it did was put the put the battery in the back though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, you know, if I can remember Don yeah. McClain getting the best of me six years later, you know, I remember that white dude telling me I wasn't gonna make it because I had no absolutely. attitude. Absolutely. Couldn't wait to get to the league. That's why my jersey's not retired. That's and I have to accept that because hey, I was built different even back then. Hey, you know what? It kind of it, it all, things like that. That kind of story kind of reminds me of a scene in Hoop Dreams where William had came back from college and was talking to his coach, and the coach was trying to discourage William from even making a commitment to this school. So he's saying right. he's saying certain things to Will. <laughs> he said he said this, uh, uh, Big Hog. He said. Uh, have you talked to the leading black people on the campus? And Will, I was like, I was hey, like, Will could Will could have been an actor, right? Will, Will calm. Oh, this is him. This is him. Laid back, calm. He like, but Will know he just said something that they hit Will. Like, did this oh, motherfucker yeah. just say this to me? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just looked at Michael like leading black people, because you know my mind thinking like. My my mind going like, are you talking to the leading white? I mean, what what do you mean by that? What, know, what does that what? even mean? <laughs> right, right, right. The leading black people, like like what what what, what we <laughs> well we got to check in. I'm like, what? yes, that's the that's the But it's also it's to me it's their way of subtly controlling the narrative and the direction. Right, Absolutely. you're not Absolutely. a good basketball player. You're a good ba- black basketball player. It's the it's the conditions they put around our intelligence, right? It's the conditions they put around our speech. Like I'm from Mississippi. I used to have people tell me, "Well, you don't sound like you're from Mississippi. How am I supposed to sound? Right. What does that mean? Right. right, right. What does it mean? I don't sound like I'm from Mississippi because I actually say the words. What does that even mean? Um, yeah, it's, it's so crazy yeah. how people believe that the English language actually belonged to the person who can speak it. You know, that, that's, that's, that's insane. But speaking of you, Mississippi, man, you know, um, man, my whole family's from Mississippi, man, all the way well, through Grenada, Tupelo, um, Jackson, man, my whole, my, my, all my, Houston, all my family from that way, man. The great Northern migration. I tell people, if you're from Compton, California or Chicago, Illinois, you from Mississippi. Absolutely. Ain't no questions around it. Um, in fact, Snoop Dogg is country than I am. <laughs> That's a few people that stopped on their way. They didn't make it quite to Chicago. They stopped in Beloit, yes. Wisconsin. Yep. yep. <laughs> and they stayed there. That's stayed in other places, but it's, yeah. it's that. It's, and then it was west from Cleveland to Detroit. Yeah. Right? Yep. Get to Chicago and then east and west, Cleveland. Yeah. Um, man, there's so much. There's so much that I like to talk about. Um, just like in terms of that kind of stuff. Like I, I, I flew my team up. Here's the other reason why they won't retire my jersey. My uh, my high school was about 95, 96% black, uh, white, I'm sorry. Latero's high school, Moss Point, which is eight miles away, is about 95% black. Mm-hmm. When I graduated from high school, my experience in Pascagoula was so bad because of the racism, the underlying racism. When I came back, I didn't come back to Pascagoula. I came back to Moss Point. Mm, when I would you. do things for the high school teams, I would do it for Moss Point first. Mm. 
Gotcha. Right? Like I, I flew the entire team of Moss Point, Moss Point's basketball team, post-Katrina because they had lost so much. We flew them up to Portland to play in a basketball tournament. And that kind of thing, I think, pissed off the powers that be at the white high school because it wasn't balanced. Why would you do that for those poor black kids and not do it for these other kids? Mm -hmm. But I did it because I am not a graduate of, well, while I am a graduate of Pastor Gula High School, I am still living in this black skin. That's right. And I am obligated to treat that as my priority first and foremost. Interesting. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I don't want to keep We can move on from high school, man. I had a good time. My teammates were great. I'm still close with all of those guys. Um, the high school itself. Eh. Well, hey, well, give, hey, hey, give us your short stint in, in uh, how you got to the Vancouver Grizzlies. Oh, uh, expansion draft. You know, and, and Matt's, Matt's heard this story. He's heard me tell this story. Um, I think I was the third pick in the draft. It was Greg Anthony. Then this guy from Kentucky that had played, I can't remember his name now, and then me, um, went up there. I was, man, I think I arrived in Vancouver the day after the expansion draft. I was in Vancouver at a draft party when we took Big Country. Like, I was wow. I was trying to really ingrain myself into that Grizzlies um, culture, and I was playing great. Like, you know, I was, I was regular minutes. I was 24, 25 minutes a game. I think I was about eight points, about eight rebounds, somewhere in that range. I was about to get paid, paid. Ego. Ego will sneak into your psyche and destroy your life. Wow. I, I got injured. And I was, when you know, back then it was five games minimum. So if you go on the injured list, you had to sit for five. Um, right at the five-game mark, I was ready to come back. And I let my ego get the best of me. And I told my agent, if they're not ready to take me off the injured list, get me out of here. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Harv. I got to ask you, where's an old vet that you can lean on that can see what's, what you're going through and can tell you, hey, young fella, you, you you didn't have no old vet like that around that can meet you? I, I did. See his, I see his ego tripping. Let me tell him how to, how to stay in. I, I did. It was Kenny Gaddison. In fact, Kenny Gaddison sat me down Kenny about G. three games into the season and said, young fella, let me tell you something. This is your job. He was he was the starter at power forward, and I was backing him up. About three games in, he said, young fella, let me be clear. This is your job. I am holding the position until they think you're 100% ready. You're close right now. You just got to keep going. But, again, once that ego thing kicks in, there is no stopping that train. Once it leaves the station – there's no vet that can stop you from going on that path and that journey. And that's what I did. I remember calling my agent and saying, Hey man, if they ain't going to play me, get me out of here. Instead of sitting on eight points, eight rebounds, two blocks a game, 1.5, 1.7 blocks a game. I was about to get 40 million. And helping build a new culture in in the Northern part of, you know, the world. Cause this, I mean, I'm looking at the grizzly crowds. Them motherfuckers is packed. And they and they 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 loved us. The city absolutely loved us. When um, I don't know if you guys know, well, part of the reason we're reconnected was because of a young lady named Cat James who wrote the movie. I think Cat's been on your podcast, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Cat. Yep. Yep. So Cat reached out, brought me back up to Vancouver, and it was super cool because my departure happened like kind of on the low. 
right? I was just there one day and then I was gone. Mm. So I never got a chance to express my gratitude to the city of Vancouver, but going back for that, um, for the uh, debut of the film was, it was perfect because I got to say thank you, right? Because, and I knew I had screwed up, like, like dumb, dumb, sit mm. your ass down. I'll tell you what, post-European Antonio would have been in Vancouver forever. Like, he would have bought a house in Vancouver and made it home. <laughs> wow. They would have had this. They would have had to put me out of Canada to get me out of Canada had I known then what I know today. Man, that's, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to be up there. Dude, it's the most beautiful city in the world. His it's thing that I can't even understand. Hey. It's hard for me to even understand this aspect, man. Here in America, you, you, you root for your favorite team. But in Canada, you got a country rooting for you. I mean, you got whole a whole country. country. <laughs> whole country. How dumb was I? I was an idiot. I was just young and stupid. I, I know it now, though. Hey, listen, let me ask you something. Uh, because this is a teaching moment for all you young guys out there, if y'all listening, and you and you, and you you was in Big Harv's situation on the team right now, whatever, whatever level it is, um, who was the... Who was the who was the uh, GM, who was the head coach and the assistant, and did you have a conversation with any of them face-to-face about your playing time or playing minutes? Do you do you think, had you been more mature, to, were you, would you been, go back and be able to do that and be able to, you know, go from there? So Stu Jackson was the GM, Brian Winters was the head coach, and uh, the guy, Lionel Hollins, was the assistant coach that I talked mm. to the most. Mm. Um, great. What up? This is Torrey, host of the Hard to Earn podcast. And if you're a fan of music reviews, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Hard to Earn. When my partner, Bonesu Thompson, and I review your favorite new albums and classic albums on pivotal anniversaries, you know, 10, 15, 20, etc., We review track by track, rating from one to that elusive, perfect 10. It's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network. Anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. So Lionel Hollins was, was, he came across as an asshole, right? Really? And so you, yeah, yeah. No, came across. I want to make sure I put that in quotes. Came across. Came across. Like, you don't know him yet. Yes, not an asshole at all. As a matter of fact, years later, when I was broadcasting, I actually took, uh, I made it a point to seek him out and apologize. Mm. Because, again, Antonio Harvey that went to Europe and came back had a different mindset. Mindset. Mindset became, dude was trying to help you out, but you were too stupid to see it. KG was trying to help me out, but I was too stupid to see it. Um, Stu Jackson, they all tried to talk me out of that decision. I was hell-bent on doing what I wanted to do. And it was just, it was ego. Now, you talk about teachable moments, AG, I'll give you a teachable moment. We talk about this today in my team meetings at my company. Leave your egos at the door. Mm. Wow. Right? If you can't come in here and check your ego before you come in this door, can't come in this door. I don't allow words that we don't use. We don't use I, right? We don't use me. 
Mm. Those are the terms that get you, that get the wrong type of attention. We use we and us because the only success we have is our success, not one person's success, not this, we and us. So I encourage young kids now to, to develop that mentality at a young age, develop a we us mentality because, and, and both of you guys, I think will know this, uh, Scott Williams, Scott Williams made $40 million when he left the Bulls. He was arguably 10th best player on that roster. Mm, yeah, yeah. But he won three rings. Yeah. The worst player on the best team mm. has more love than the best player on the worst team. That's true. That's true. Because mm. right? we love Scott. We love Scott. Hey, listen, he played some vital minutes, man. Scott. Yep. Scott was huge for the Bulls in them, in right. them last three. I, I mean, and was ready. Would yeah. sit on the bench for the whole first two quarters. Oh, I need to, I need to put you in for a stretch. He'll come in four points, four rebounds, two blocks, and, and he you know wasn't that really is? that healthy either, though. No, no ego, no ego. He was about that team, about winning the ring. Mm. I stress that, like I said, my business model is built around no ego. You got to be able to say. I can do this for the, for this team. We're successful because everybody throws their ego to the side. Everybody comes in and does what they do for the betterment of the team. You, you, it, it's so crazy that, like, our story, me and William's story, is kind of like the same as yours. If just think, like, just think, had you been mature, yo, uh, uh, and. Like we're probably talking about a different Antonio Harvey right now if oh, you man. stay if you stay in Vancouver. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So just think yep. like when we say in the movie, if I stay at St. Joe's and me and Will, I help my man come back from his injury and he like, oh, I can lean on my buddy. Let's go get it. Yep. Hoop or Dreams if, is a different if, movie. Oh, if Will Gates don't get hurt. Will Gates' right. life is well, a different story. Different story. <laughs> or if Will don't get hurt. <laughs> no, but see that, but that's the part of it though, that that in in you guys' story, that is the part of it that doesn't get the the love it should. It's it's not so much what you did, it's what you could have. What now we know we could have done. Absolutely. Like and and you know what's crazy about it though? Is I don't have any regret. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And and People ask me that. I'm like, man, I got four beautiful kids. I got a beautiful wife. But more importantly, every one of those lessons prepared me for this. Absolutely. Right. And and I'm I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say it not to not because, you know, I'm I'm gonna say it because this is the way I think. I'm gonna make a billion dollars in this industry. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And the only way I'm going to do it is because of everything I learned from basketball. My hoop dream got me here. Mm. That simple. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you, just to even add on to that, Harb, I mean, truth, and, and I've told AG this a million times. The way that it played out, he needed to go back to Marshall. Right, right. The way it played out, I, I mean, as crazy as it may sound, I needed to have that injury 
Because I right. think if those things had not occurred, A.G., I don't think you are where you are. I don't think I am why I am. Just like Harv was telling us, he's not where he is if those things don't happen. I got yep. a beautiful wife, four beautiful kids, but I know if I'd have made it to the league, mm. <laughs> different game. Different game. Yeah, it's a different, different game. game, man. Yep. Different game. And it's so easy to live with regret. But to me, People who live, what is it? Regret is in the past. Uh, anxiety is in the future. Happiness is in today. Yeah. Right? And that's the mentality. That's really the mentality I have now is, man, I can't do nothing. I wish I could have made some decisions different, but only if I could still end up here. But that's not possible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? Hey, Harv, we, we, we got a few more questions for you. I know we're taking up so much time, but I, I, I just got to ask you this, man, because you, you had a moment in your career where you met the magic man. I mean, he was your assistant coach. Well, your head I coach. Mean, He's the head he was, coach. He was your head coach at the time? Well, He's the head coach, man, yeah. Get, get, give us that moment, man. Like, I know you said <laughs> you was in awe of Jordan, but give us the magic moment. So, so you know, the Lakers were a West Coast team and being from Mississippi first, growing up, we didn't have really a lot of live broadcasts of the NBA period during that time. And then with the Lakers being a West Coast team, the games were so late, we missed a lot of them. So I didn't really know no magic like that. Mm-hmm. But I give you guys the moment that I realized magic's true greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, about what, my second year, about first year, late in the season, probably call it 30 games left in the season, um, magic comes in as head coach. We go on a great run. We, I think we won 12 or something in a row. Right, but then the newness wore off, and we started losing games. One day, Magic comes in the, in the gym. He's got on his weapons and his little hiked up shorts and his practice jersey. And he said, uh, "So he put all of the starters. He put the first seven guys on one team. Mm. Then he took uh, him, me, Kurt Rambis." This cat named Reggie Jordan and uh Reggie Jordan and, from New Mexico. Yes. Mexico. Reggie Jordan and the fifth Danny Shays. Danny Shays. Danny Shays. So, and him. So it's Magic, me, Reggie Jordan, Danny Shays, and and Kurt Rambis. And we're playing against Nick, Dale Threat, um, Eldon Campbell, Vladi Divas, George Lynch, Anthony Peeler. Doug Christie, right? Like I can, like the first seven, eight guys. Magic tells Kurt and Danny every rebound. Harv, Reg, hit the wing. Like hit that, run. Run. Get on your horses. Okay. If I were to play with Magic Johnson, I would have made seven all-star teams. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) He was that, that damn good. Like, I had never seen, it was literally Kirk Danny get a rebound. I'm out one side. Reggie's out the other side. By the time I get between the three-point line and the uh, 12-foot mark, the ball is hitting me in the hands. Wow. All I got to do is Well, you can do something with it, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I ain't even got to hardly take a dribble. I just got to catch it, take my two-step, and go up. Wow. And he was throwing these from half court, by the way. Maybe three quarter could or pow that bounce pass that y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that whole court bounce pass. That shit is real. 
Magic Johnson <laughs> that day became that dude to me. Like, okay. Okay. So, oh, okay. What 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 lesson was Magic trying to teach you guys in that within that moment also? Oh man, he he felt like the team had become too Hollywood, right? The guys were too much into the lifestyle. The lifestyle. Yes, and not the game. Mm. Because, you know, his teams were into the lifestyle, but they were into the game. And, I, and I don't, I'm not going to say we weren't into the game the same way. We just weren't as talented. I mean, come on, Buck. You had Byron Scott, A.C. Green, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, like, the level of talent around him mm. was a little higher. We had, yeah. you know, Eldon, Vladi, Nick, who was a – like, we did, the talent level was different. That's really what it boiled down to. Um, but that day, man, I, I'll, never, I'll never forget it. It was one of them days that I was like, man, I can play in this league in the right, in the right situation. Not only can I play, but I can thrive. Because once – and both of y'all hoop, so you know what I'm about to say. Once that thing go through the hoop a couple of times, everything go through the hoop. That confidence, right. that, 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 that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a little, what they call it, the, uh, the, uh, the glow, the glow comes yeah. across. Yeah, exactly. Like, the shoulders drop back a little bit, and it's like, man, I, I don't even have to, I'm Steph Curry right now, I'm just letting it fly. Hey, you know what mm. Tom was saying, Magic, you sure you can't come out of retirement? Because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all, that's all I heard Tom saying, I mean, Magic got here with me. <laughs> man, like, like, like dead serious. I look at today's league, and if you can't play with LeBron, there's a problem. Right. right. Right? Like, for real. If you can't be on the court next to LeBron James, something's wrong with you. Because all you got to do is make the shot. You don't have to do nothing else. You're going to do everything else for you. But it's, but it's difficult for guys to play with a Magic, a LeBron those types, and even like Jordans or Kobe's, it's hard to play with them if you're trying to be them. Right. You can't yeah. you can't be out there. You know LeBron's the point forward, but you want to bring the ball up the court. Russell Westbrook last year. That's a good point. This year, much better because he's not with LeBron as much, but that's a good point. You have, but, again, but what have we been saying this whole time? If your ego is in the game, yeah. you can't help me win. Yeah, Man, absolutely. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Magic um, and James Worthy impressed me too, man. James was probably thirty five at the time, so he was getting up there in age, man. But James could still go. Like I've I've been around, I've been blessed to be around some great veteran players. Michael Cooper, you know, Michael Cooper taught me how to play defense. Mm. Like yeah, it was it was good times. That's all I can describe it as, guys. Is, is it was it was a good time to be in the league, to say the least. I know that's right. Your your 1996-97, man, you win the Sonics, and hopefully the league bring them back. But you played with some great players on that team, man. Terry Cummins, Craig Elo, Nate McMillan, Sam Perkins, Deathlet, and of course, this dude was in his prime. Both of them, GP and Sean Kemp, Duray, man. What 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 did you take away from that time being with those guys? Um. Sean and I, first of all, Sean is, is afraid of flying. That's one of the things I took away from it. 
We were sitting next to <laughs> our seats were next to each other on the plane. You would think he was a twelve year old the way he held my hand on takeoff and landing. That's a different <laughs> conversation. Um, <laughs> you know what I took away from it? I took away from it how great MJ really was. Because you MJ know I was gonna that bring team. that up. I was gonna bring that up. I was gonna say you was on that team that had to beat them bulls. <laughs> yep. That's one that's really what I took away from it. Um as great as GP was, I don't think he was as great as he could have been. Um, mm. Same thing with Sean. And I, this is not a knock on those guys because they both had Hall of Fame careers. And there's no denying that. But um, I think that they have more to give. So they could have been exponentially greater by taking that last 10%. That last step is the one that takes you from good to great. And I think that they were both okay with being exceptionally good instead of exceptionally great. Mm. That makes who sense. More than, who more than the other? Um, it's hard to say because um, they both worked really hard. Like, I'm not, again, it's not a work ethic scenario. This is just a mentality the ego mentality. scenario. Mm. Yeah, like the mentality of that next level, that Kobe Bryant mentality, that MJ mentality. I don't know that they had it, and I think that's what ultimately did them in in the finals uh, against the Bulls that year. Yeah, yeah. See, that's another thing, man. You could, you, you on you on a team that's in the damn finals, bro. Exactly. <laughs> like, who exactly. The fuck, who the fuck? Why would I argue with you? Uh, say you don't know this and know that. You're sitting in the finals on the bench, watching a front row seat to this shit, like Harv, like. It was, you know what? The the best part was in practice every day, because as as good as them teams were, only five can be on the court. So if Sean is on the court, that means um, Sam is in the second unit, yeah. right? Uh, uh, if if Dead is in the first unit, that means Nate's in the second unit. Hersey Hawkins and and versus Nate McMillan every day in Hershey practice. Hawkins. You know what I mean? Gary Payton versus Kendall Gill every day in practice. Uh, me and Sean, and I say that very lightly because Sean and I were nowhere near each other when it comes to just basketball. Um, and I and you know it's, it's one other observation I have, guys, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but to me, there's two core types of basketball players. There's the guy who only thinks basketball ever. That's all he'll ever do, all he'll ever be. Then there's the guy, and I think I fit more into this category, basketball was was a conduit to what life was actually going to give me. Mm. And I knew that early on, right? Because I wasn't wasn't drafted, so I had to make basketball into something. For me, it wasn't going to be for some other people. Um, And so... I remember Sean was more like Shaq in that he was physically gifted, but he was also mean as fuck. Like, Mm. for real, nice guy off the court. Like, Sean and I still close to this day. I I went to the opening of his dispensary up in Seattle. Like, Sean and I still communicate. Great dude. But on the court, he wanted to embarrass you. He wanted you to feel like you never wanted to play basketball again. That was his nature. Um, And Gary, Gary was so gifted that... He could work. He could give you 95% of Gary Payton was better than 200% of most. But if we had ever gotten 100% of Gary Payton, who the hell knows what it would have been? It's scary how good that would have been. Have you ever seen any, have you ever seen any point guard talk more than Gary Payton doing a game? 
No. Hey, well, Dale Brown, my high school two guard, he talked more than more than uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like Gary's talk. Ah, I've heard all of that before, dog. So you you got to bring something better than that. My point guard had that kind of talk. Give me something better, Gary. I hear that. Hey, what what about that team you play with? I mean, man, you you play with probably, <laughs> you know, the top at least twenty-five 20. of yeah. the top fifty greatest players ever. That Portland team you was on, man. I mean, Steve <laughs> Smith, Rasheed yeah. Wallace. Mighty Mouse, Damon Stoudemire, Scottie Pippen, Jermaine O'Neal, Strickland. I mean, I can't even imagine what those practices must have been like. What was that like? Did you mention Jermaine O'Neal? I mentioned Jermaine O'Neal. Okay, J.O. Brian Grant? Yeah, I didn't Brian mention Grant. Grant. Did we, did we miss a, mention Stacey Ogman? I forgot about the thin man. The plastic, <laughs> the plastic man. Uh, how, about, how about Greg Anthony? Oh, Greg Anthony was on that squad too, bro. Right? Like, like, yeah, it was a whole other level of good. Um, I would say, you know, the thing that I tell people is sometimes you have to be able to see, again, ego. As good as we were, we still could not get past our egos. Mm. Y'all, y'all had a lot of egos oh, on that look, team, man. We had a well, lot hold on, of egos. Hold on, hold on. Egos now, but who was y'all leader? This this why I feel. This what I feel. I felt like that the leader of that team to me was supposed to be, and I think the team would say it would be Scotty. Scotty got yes. the rings. Scotty got yep. the rings, and he yep. he know he didn't been in mature situations in in, in playoff situations. But so Scotty came in wrong, though, A.G. They brought him I, in wrong. And you going gonna, to gonna cut me well, off, because, what I'm, Well, what because I'm, it's true. <laughs> Deflet was supposed to have – that was Deflet moment. They no, brought actually, in Scotty. Actually, I'm a, I'll, actually they, they came – I'll give you guys a quick history on that squad because there's a lot of stuff that people don't know. Remember, they made it to the Western Conference Finals versus Utah. Before they brought Scotty in, so they played Utah one year, and then the next year they brought in Pip, and uh, they traded Kelvin Cato and Jr. Ryder and a whole plethora of guys mm-hmm. to bring in Pip. In fact, um, that's how I got back in. They played. They traded six guys to Houston and brought in um, Scotty, and so that opened up five roster spots. That's how I got back in the league, but. Um, it wasn't our first year that really did us in. It was the second year. So the first year we lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, and that was the game when Shaq and Kobe and you know the lob and the lob, all of yeah. that stuff. Um, but then the, that summer we traded Jermaine for Sean. That was a bad trade. I mm. know uh, we we traded Jermaine for um, Dale Davis. Because Dale had had some success versus Shaq in the previous year's NBA Finals. That's right. In the Pacers. That's right. Yes. The Dale so they brought, they brought Dale in, um, and then they traded Brian Grant for for Sean Kemp. But BG was going to leave anyway. Uh, so I think the, 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 the long and short of it is Detlef retired the second year. He was gone. Mm-hmm. So we had a rotation of – it was um, – 
oh shoot. It was Damon and Greg at the point. It was Smitty and Bonzi Wells at the, at the two. Mm-hmm. It was Scotty and Ice at the three, Stacey Augman. It was um, uh, Rashid Wallace and a little bit of, of you know, uh, and Sean Kemp at the four. And then it was Arvidas and Dale Davis at the five. So we had a solid rotation. And then we had some, you know, like guys like me that fill in where we needed to fill in. Um, Bob Whitsitt decided to bring Detlef back about 50 games into the season. Mm. So immediately you, you disrupt Stacey Ogwin's playing time, which disrupts the chemistry of the team because mm. we had great chemistry. One move disrupted chemistry. But then uh, Rod Strickland got, was being released by Washington and Bob Whitson was so afraid that he was going to go to the Lakers that he signed him. Now mm. you've disrupted um, Greg Anthony's situation. playing time. Yes. Yep. Right. So 40% of your rotation has been disrupted. 40% of your chemistry has been disrupted. Mm. The net result was we lost 22 out of the last 25. When he made that Rod Strickland deal, and again, no knock on Rod to yeah. be clear. Yeah. Rod yeah, is a hell clear. of a human being. Like, I ain't putting none of this on him at all. Yeah. Rod is a great dude and a great hooper. But the chemistry we had got disrupted by two moves. We were the number one team in the league, and we dropped to eighth in the, in the West in the last 30 games. Mm. All on two moves. Mm, damn. But, but I'm going to tell you, though, Scotty Pippen, great dude. Pip would call me and say, he called me one time. I said, Hard, what size, what size shoe you wear? I said, uh, I think I'm a 16. He said, Oh, cool. I'm a 16. I got some extra shoes if you want them. Dude, he gave me the shoes and you look on the, on the, the little label. They didn't say size 16. They just said Scotty Pippen. <laughs> the whole name? <laughs> Stop playing with me. That was the size of the shoe. The size of the <laughs> shoe was his yes. whole name. Scotty Pippen. I said, this shit's crazy. Hey, you know what that's like, AG? It's like when people say, man, what size are those? They're size me. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first time I'd actually heard somebody say that and be able to be real with it. Like, no, 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 that's my size. What do you mean it's your size? Look at the the label. Look at the label. The label will tell you what size they are. (laughs) Gotta love it, man. Tone, how's your time, man? Um, Man, I'm good. My, My wife just brought me a charger. My phone was dying, but man, I'm enjoying it, so I'm, I'm good whenever you guys are good. Okay, because we just want to hop into your post-career, man, and and uh, and really just talk about, man, your transition from the game and going into what you're doing now, um, particularly your transition. Uh, you know, you talked a little bit about it earlier um, that you, you kind of settled in to your role, and I think in a lot of ways I'm, I was a lot like you on that too. I knew at a certain point that man, basketball ain't going to be it. So I'm going to try to hold on to it as much as I can. But I still went through a phase when I left the game. I was like, man, every time, you know, preseason started, my body was like, you know, it turned up like everything in me wanted it back. So what was, was, how was that mental separation for you? Um, so the the initial retirement didn't even count as a retirement because I think I was out of the game for about six months when I got the broadcasting job. Um, 
So, you know, when I, got, I was blessed and went straight into broadcast and did that for 11 years. Um, the second retirement was a little more difficult. I'll be honest. I think I went through about a year and a half of, a, of what I would call a version of depression. Uh, I think to the outside world, just like people who, people who are depressed say it all the time, you don't even know it because what I'm presenting you is what I, is what I want you to see. But if, at my core, I had lost the only thing I had ever known, even though and it was voluntary. Like I didn't, they didn't put me out. I chose to leave because mm. I wanted to be home. Um, so I've got, I've got, I think I mentioned it earlier. I've got four kids. My older two kids about my first wife, they are 26 and 23 now. Then my wife had a son. He's uh, 20. And then I've got an 11 year old about to be 12. Um, I missed my, my, my daughter, especially I missed her entire high school career. She was a four year starter in soccer, three state championships, right? Never, never got to saw a game. She's playing now. She's still playing in Turkey. And we talk more today than we did when she was a kid because I was hustling, trying to be a basketball guy. Mm -hmm. Um, So when the opportunity, when Oregon legalized cannabis and the opportunity came up, it was a no brainer because to me, it was me being dad again, right? For my youngest, I couldn't do anything to get back what I had given away with the older kids, but I could at least try to make it right this time. Mm. So as soon as, and my wife's family grew up growing trees, so it was like, uh, that's a no brainer. She knows how to do it. It's legal. We've got the wherewithal. Let's make it happen. So we dove in. Um, and that was 2016. So going on seven years ago, we, uh, we started out in a 1200 square foot barn that we retrofitted. And if you guys have ever been in a cannabis grow, it's, you know, you got to redo the walls. Mm-hmm. We did all of that ourselves. Every nail, every screw, it was me and my wife. I, when we for home games, I would get up in the mornings, drop the kids off at school, go straight to the farm, work till about three o'clock, get off work, be home by three thirty, shower, get dressed, prep for the game on my way to the arena, mm. do the game, get off at midnight, and do it all over again. That became my routine, but it got us started. Uh, so we did that. We were in that building for a year. We outgrew it quickly. Moved into a, we doubled in size. Uh, we were in that building for a year and then we tripled in size. Um, and we had a lot of learning. It was a lot of lean years. The thing about the cannabis market that people don't realize is it's great when it's illegal because there's very few people trying to do it. Mm. But the minute they give a license to you and it's legal, everybody thinks it's a damn, oh, it's easy money. It's It's not. It's not. Right. Like when we started, we were seeing twenty five, twenty seven hundred dollars a pound. Eighteen months later, it was six hundred dollars a pound in Oregon. <laughs> right. And, and there's there's no way to there's no way to uh, a business plan around that that much of a drop. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Can't do it. But it taught us a lot. So now so we went from from. We went from 1,200 to 24, and now we're in about 10,000 square feet. Um, but I can grow a pound of flour now for about $350, and it's premium flour. So we learned from all the mistakes to get down to this number that's right. no, no matter what the market does, we're always going to make money. 
So let me ask you this. So now since you learned, the thing is that those things, you have to go through those things to know what you know now. It's funny how that story keeps repeating itself out over yeah. life, right? Yeah, yeah. As, as much as it hurts in the moment, you need it. Yeah. You need it to be where you want to go. It, it, and if it doesn't happen, it's because you didn't need it. Mm. Like that's fate and karma. If you didn't get, if you if you didn't, you know, my younger brother used to, and y'all know these, the um, the gas heaters in the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? You had the kid put the, right? Well, we had those growing up. And my grandmother used to tell my little brother, don't touch the, the heater, it's hot. That's right. Sure enough, his dumb ass to touch that heater. That's right. He gonna touch it anyway. Listen, gonna touch think, it anyway. I think we all done touched them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But you learn not to touch that heater by going through the fire. And that's what we did. We went through the fire and came out of that on this side. Like, man, we can grow a $350 pound. We know that the market's never going to do that again. So yeah. we're ready. Got another right? question for you since you've been in yep. the business. Did you have to deal with any racism? Not directly. I won't say it was direct. I will say that it's no more racism than the racism I dealt with my whole life. Okay. Right? I'm, so, life prepared me for it. So my next question is, and I believe this, I believe this wholeheartedly that they say, well, there's not a, there's not enough, you know, a lot of African-American uh, companies, uh, people that's coming into the game because they have set the rules up to where whatever these people have done in their past life, mm-hmm. they they can't get this license. They mm-hmm. can't get they can't get this certificate. They can't yep. get this license. Like it's 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 almost five hundred thousand dollars that you would even have to come out your pocket just for them to say that you are legal just to apply. <laughs> That's the application fee. <laughs> is a half a million in some states. Wow. And, 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 application fee. And keep in mind, that's a non-refundable application. That's the thing, Will. They, Will, we don't get it back, and, Will. And, and, and that can be rejected. Yes. But they ain't going to give you back that half a million. They're going to keep that part. So, so there are, and there are players in the game now that are beginning to, to, to surface, we have to do the black, the black, just like black Twitter, black cannabis has to do a better job of coming together. Mm. We're not doing that. Right. I, I have personally, I, I have sought out partners, minority partners, black in particular to be a part of what we're doing. So after we did the growth thing about a year and a half, about two years ago now, we transitioned. We got we we merged with a company that has this great science. So I can do, I can give you a cannabis beverage that hits you like you're smoking, but there's no smoke involved because you know edibles can take time to get into your system. Mm-hmm. Well, these beverages are in your system in about four minutes, five at the most. Mm-hmm. Same buzz, same high, same everything. Um, we can make it for cheap, so we can sell it like most cannabis beverages on the market today. Are eight bucks a unit. We sell our ours for about two fifty three dollars, mm. right? And we're naming it after alcohol because we're going after the alcohol industry. Mm. But I'm seeking. So anybody listening to this podcast, 
Find my information. Give me a call. Send me a text. Whatever it is, we are seeking partners in other states that want to utilize our technology to help us expand. I'm more than happy, particularly minorities. That's so, my objective. And so, what they will be doing, being they will, you will be licensing your product to them. Yep. And we know how to do it. We have a company that will print the cans. We can ship the cans to you. We have canning partners all over the country already. We are ready set to be a national brand. What I need is people who want to say, I want to take that ride with him. I got, now here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to give you my company. Part of the problem we run into is, and you guys are both former athletes. So, you know, my name is worth, my name is worth, my name is worth. Well, I don't want to pay you for your name. I want you to invest in my company and be an owner of something and help me blow it up. That's what I want. If I want to just name, I can pay somebody to be a name. I want partners that are willing to come in and say, yeah, you know, I got $100,000 to do this in Florida or a half a million to do it in in Florida. Whatever whatever the number is, let's have a conversation. Right. And let's figure out how to do it there and let's blow this thing up. But that's what that's my objective. Big hard. Let, let me ask you this, uh, and and I'm quite sure this is a a, a question that most of our I mean most of our users will want to know in the cannabis industry. What level are you playing on? Are you the farm? Are you the dispensary? What is there different level? It's different levels to this. Whereas yes, so we're a farm. So a farm considered a producer. That's where I am today. So we have a farm and we produce our own flour. We, uh, I wish, I wish I was on my phone. I could take you guys out to the, um, mm-hmm. out to the, to the garden. So you can see how we grow. My wife does an unbelievable job of growing, but we're also a brand maker. Mm. So we make brands. We have right now, we have, um, deviate, which is an alcohol alternative. We have a yep. long Island iced tea and a Moscow mule. Oh, we wow. have a El Hempe, which sits in two worlds. We have an El Hempe Spirits, which is a tequila-based product that has terpenes like weed, but there's no weed in it. So it's tequila with terpenes, but it, but it tastes like a, a hibiscus or something. You know what I mean? So it's got it's really a mix of everything. Then we've got Harmonic, which is a, a sparkling rosé that's really geared towards women. We've got Legends, and, and I want to make sure that I get you guys' information. I'll send you some of the Legends products. So Legends is a CBD-infused pre-workout drink. Mm. So imagine all of the BCAAs and all of the stuff we took when we were working out, but we kicked, we put in about 25 milligrams of CBD to help with the, the inflammation. Then we have a Pulse game that does the same thing. And then for that cat, and I think this is going to be you, AG, from what I'm hearing, <laughs> we got that one drink that just gets you there. Rocket science, baby. We oh. can't go all the way to the moon. Hey, that's baby. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let's so go, was, baby. Hey, Big Harv, I was going to ask you because, you know, me, me, me and William trying to do some things and he didn't have, you know, he can't hoop no more. All he can do is shoot. So do you have something that, that he can drink and, and to make his knees feel like <laughs> I'm happy again, baby? My knees well, feeling good. Like, hey, you, G, throw that yes. lob up to me. Well, let's not throw the lives now. Let's not. We ain't gonna go back there, fellas. That baby's as fast as let's not get beside ourselves. We'll see. We'll be in a different type of chair the next time we see him. So we don't want to do that. That's right. But but though, 
we do have a topical cream that is CBD-based that does a wonderful job. Like I said, I'm going to get you guys a care package. In fact, I'm going to throw this one out there, man. I want to see my cans right there behind you, Will, both of y'all. Give me time. We'll get you. We'll see how we can get a sponsorship on your show. Like, I think that should be a real thing. I got to get you one of them right there, baby. There we go. I think we should look at that, fellas, and, and we'll we'll talk to the powers that be to start to make that happen. Yeah, yeah we should do that because we can put it right there. I got I got a spot for it already, <laughs> and we got like I said, we've got we've got we've got five different brands in the cannabis space, not including our flower. With the flower, we've got sticks, and we've got more coming. We're if 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 a guy called me from let's say Illinois, and they wanted to do a beverage in Illinois, we can do that beverage. We can do it better and less expensive than anybody they know, all they have to do is be willing to market their beverage because it's not my beverage. It's your beverage, right? And if you don't like the way I do business, you can take your beverage someplace else because you own it. Right. You ain't Versus if I pay you to be an endorser and I don't like the way you're endorsing my product. Mm -hmm. You could just cut time. I cut time. Yeah. Right. It, it, to me, that's the, I would rather, I wish somebody had told me that when I was playing. Like, man, uh, uh, have you guys heard the story from Spencer Haywood? Spencer yeah. Haywood tells a great story about how he lost $340 million. No. No. Didn't hear that story. Spencer, he tells it from his own mouth? From his own mouth. I want you guys to Google this, but I'm going I'm to I'm put, put a synopsis out there. Uh, Phil Knight went to Spencer Haywood in the early, I guess in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. Said, hey, we want to give you 10% of Nike to be our number one paid sponsor. This is in the 80s. I think it was either Adidas or, or, or Converse or whoever it was came in and said, we'll give you $50,000 to be a paid endorser. He took the 50 grand versus the 10% of Nike. Mm. Do that math. Mm. Right? So, again, we talk about that ego and learning. Yeah. I'm not telling guys to invest in my company. I'm telling you to invest in your company and just let me make the drink. Mm-hmm. My job is to manufacture for you but you own your company. You own everything. And if you, at some point in the future, don't like what I'm doing, leave. But you've created a brand. Mm-hmm. You've created everything you need to go to someplace different and do the same thing. But my confidence in me is so high, I'm willing to do that. Mm. I believe that I can create for you what nobody else can or will. You just got to be willing to believe in me. And I say that with so much passion because that's how I feel about it. That's where I am with it. Hey, Will, it sounds like he on the basketball court. Ain't I know, like right? He trying to like, <laughs> hey, 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 Will, hey, like, hey. and we we talking about straight business. Listen, like. I'm, I'm going to tell you what he's doing right now. He coaching. That's what he doing. Hey. He coaching. He looking like, listen, guys, hey, I ain't got the uniform on. I'm, but but if you but when you put it on, this is what I need you to do. I mean, he coaching. He coaching right now. I love it, man, because that – it it is it's that next level. You 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 you're teaching uh, ownership, and we're not often taught that. I mean, you know, too many guys, man. They have wasted a lot of money not recognizing that they could have been the owner 
As My opposed, thing. Yeah, that's right. Well, well, well hey, 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 Tom, man, we, we could talk about this so much, <laughs> man. Gosh. Yeah. But uh, we want to be respectful of your time, man. We've had you on there for a couple of hours already. Uh, my man got one final question for you, but you probably already done answered it. But I know you probably <laughs> yeah, got another I, another yeah, story it, to it, go it with it. it. So hey. you got her, man. But, so, but, but I mean, my man got another question. One more question for you. What's the next chapter in Antonio Harvey's hoop dream? Ooh, let me think about that. So the next chapter in my hoop dream is for the world to forget I existed. Wow. Mm. You got to break that down. I don't want to be Antonio Harvey. I want to be Ariana Harvey's dad. Right? Because now my next generation has become so great that I've been forgotten about. That's right. That's the next dream. That's the next part of my dream is that my kids go so far beyond what I did that nobody remembers what I did. Absolutely. That means I did my job. That's, wow. That means I have accomplished my goal. And then nobody, nobody has to see me ever again. Like, I, I don't live for the fame. I don't need the accolades. Man, I am so good in my skin now that all I care about is the success and the well-being of the people in my sphere, starting mm-hmm. with my children. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I, if, man, I, I, do, I did this show because our guy Matt is a friend. Mm. But, and it's not because, and it's not a knock on the show, it's to say I don't live for that love from the world anymore. From the world anymore, yeah, yeah. Right, I live for my, my children, my wife, my family. That's so the next chapter in my hoop dreams is for me to disappear because my net the next level has made me forgettable. That means I did my job. But I tell you this, man, I'm so glad you was on the show today, man, because you dropped so many nuggets that particularly in our community, we all too often don't get to hear, man. We don't get to hear, you know, how to how to, you know, how to overcome and fight through and be okay with where you are in life and continue and grow and build from that. We don't hear about, hey, how many how many times have we you've heard a guy say, man, I'm 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 more concerned about, you know, my family's next level that it it, it ain't about me anymore. Especially for my athletes, because you talked about it all day. The ego, the ego, the ego, it stays there. So <clears throat> man, I'm so glad you were on the show today because Man, I learned a great deal. I know AG learned a great deal, man. But the nuggets you were dropping today, man, priceless, priceless. Can I drop one more quick gem? And it's something that this is not mine, so I don't want to take credit for it. It's this is the amalgamation of everything that my mother and my grandmother ever taught me. So um, I flunked out of University of Georgia, barely made it to college. I had a 2.0 GPA coming out of high school. So I barely got in, right? All of these things working against me. So when I, when I, when I flunked out of university of Georgia, you know, just like anybody else that's 19, 20 years old, me, my mom, my older brother, we had a session, a crying session. It's what we do. You know, we get it out. Um, my grandmother came in and she gave, gave us some wise words. She said, you guys got 30 minutes, right? Get that out. And then what's next? What's next? 
the visual that that taught me and the visual that I associate with that is real simple. If you're li- if you live in 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 Gulfport, Mississippi, there's a highway between Gulfport and Jackson, Mississippi. It's a straight line, Highway 49, right? I always envision my mom, my grandmother telling me, if you're on Highway 49 and there's a, a, a stop blocking the road, most people get so caught up in the, the obstacle that's in front of them that they don't consider the thousands of alternate routes you could take to get around and mm-hmm. still end up in the same place. Mm-hmm. That one. That's the one. The obstacle isn't really real. It's just an illusion that you have to imagine and you have to be willing to imagine what's on the other side. Mm. Then fucking go get it. Last gym, last piece of the puzzle for me right there. Do not let that obstacle hold you back. Mm. Mm. There it is. Y'all heard it. Y'all heard it. Yeah. See, man, off a talk like that, I need me one, man. Damn, hey, hey, <laughs> roll me one. Hey, hey roll a fatty up, man. Roll, two, yeah, roll a fatty one up, man. Roll them joints <laughs> up, man. I'm the gold of my era. I've been a trending topic. I'm as fly as a feather. My pocket's macroscopic. See, with time, I get better. I'm always in the action, kid. No, I got it locked from Chicago where the toughest live. Concrete jungle earn my stripes on the pavement there. You make it here, then you can make it anywhere. No comparison. Your game is embarrassing. No one can touch me. I'm all for going there again. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Hoop Dreams the Podcast, an Unlearning Network production. Written and produced by Arthur Agee, Will Gates, Matt Hoffer, with audio engineering from Matt Savage. For more episodes, check us out at www.unlearningnetwork.com. Gotta be a dog to survive in this cold weather. Ice in my veins, no need for a warm sweater. I'm coming forward, all best believe I won't let up, yeah. Hey, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me.